With their new Epic Speed Driver, Callaway is framing the future of speed. Using a jailbreak speed frame structure that connects the sole and crown, they've reduced the head's twisting and deformation at impact. This means more energy stays in the driver face and transfers to the ball. More energy to the ball means more ball speed. Who doesn't want more ball speed? Jailbreak speed frame is in the forgiving Epic Max, the Epic Speed, and the tour-preferred Epic Max LS. Explore Epic Drivers at CallawayGolf.ca. COVID-19 has effectively canceled many activities we enjoyed and even took for granted. Sporting events and dining out, but also concerts, movies, and plays. The art sector in Canada is a big contributor to the economy, but has taken a beating over the last 14 months. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Calgary Herald arts reporter Eric Volmers joins me to discuss what facets of the art sector have been hardest hit, what artists have done to stay creative and keep performing, and how quickly we could see concerts and productions once we're out of the pandemic. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Eric, while a lot of talk in Canada around job losses due to COVID-19 have been around the service and hospitality industries, tourism, and you know, in Alberta where we both are, uh, the oil patch, across the country, there's been a big hit to the art sector. Do we have a sense of like how big the job losses are or how big the income losses are in the art sectors? We've got a bit of an idea. I mean, because the art sector is made up of so many subsectors, it's it's sometimes hard to find specific stats, but I know the Canadian Association for the Performing Arts, they reported that in 2020, one in four arts workers lost their jobs. Uh, and the number they had was, I think it was 114,000 or, or maybe even more than that. Wow. And that includes, you know, artists, technicians, marketing people, administrators, you know, across the board, but it's a, it's a huge number. You know, these are people that were no longer able to make a living at what it was that they do. So, so yeah, it was a huge number. And I mean, when we're talking about the arts sector in Canada, we're also talking about a lot of people who may not have steady work, right? Like, you know, there's job losses, but there's also people who perform kind of intermittently or they're amateur performers or they do their art on the side and maybe they lost their art income, but they also lost their service industry job. Are there art sectors that have been hurt worse than others? You know, whether it's performing arts or visual arts or has it been pretty much across the board? I think it's safe to say it was across the board. I, I, I think uh, any sort of arts that's based on performance and, and therefore based on gatherings is going to be hit hard. I know the Canadian Independent Music Association showed that there was a 79% drop, I think it was, in income for the live sector. And you look at something like for-profit live venues, just as an example. Uh, you know, At one point, I think in 2020, they were saying that 64% of those clubs were at risk of closing down. Now, that may have changed a little bit because I know, I know since then there's been some support from the federal government in their April budget, for instance. But yeah, I think it's safe to say that anything that was based on performance and performing arts, whether it be theater, whether it be musicians touring, you know, they're going to be hit pretty hard. There's, you know, uh, other sectors, film and TV, for instance, I think not to downplay the struggles that they had, but I, I think they were maybe in a position to continue, you know, a little more easily than some of these other subsectors in the arts. Even this weekend in Alberta, in the last couple of weeks anyway, I'm seeing 
extras notices for the series that they're filming down in Calgary, The Last of Us, that video game series, right? Like there are still productions going on. So at least despite being a very dark year for the art sector in Canada, there have been some bright spots. While musicians can't tour and theaters can't open, but, you know, creators can still create and filmmakers can produce in some areas, right? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, the film and TV industry did have some huge struggles at the beginning because every production was shut down initially. Mm -hmm. But they did find a way to come back uh, here in Calgary. There's tons of productions going on. Some have already come and gone. Uh, You know, Winona Earp, they managed to finish their season. The third season, I think it is, of Jan. They did that during the pandemic. They were doing a Fraggle Rock reboot. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you mentioned, this Last of Us, which hasn't started production yet, but... um, a huge, huge, huge production, probably one of the biggest in TV television history, I would think. And that's coming to Calgary. There's a show called Joe Pickett. That's a big one. It's a Hollywood production that just started last week. So I think they were in a, a good position. I think part of that had to do with they are, are very organized and they were able to lobby the government. But I also think that they were very good at setting up protocols for how these things are going to be shot, the safety precautions, the social distance and all these things, they sort of established an industry-wide protocols that I think sort of helped them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the other question is basically about creativity. That's, you know, the pandemic didn't necessarily stop creativity. Uh, there's still people writing songs. There's still people able to record. There's still people writing. All those things are still going on. And, you know, maybe in some cases, people actually had a little more time to do those sorts of things. I know that touring, especially for independent artists, is a big part of where they get income from performing. And so not having that outlet probably put them at a disadvantage. But I look at the year in music last year, you had surprise albums or albums we didn't expect from people like Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift. They're putting out some really high quality music, but they're also very big names in the music industry. So they have a bit of economic freedom, they have a bit of luxury to do that kind of thing, to kind of hunker down, realize they can't go anywhere and put out music that catches a lot of people's attention. Have you talked to Canadian artists about whether they've been able to have that kind of creative outburst or do they also have to adapt to the economic realities of still having to pay rent or pay a mortgage or raise families, all of that sort of thing? Like, do they have that same kind of freedom that these bigger artists have? That's sort of two different things because obviously a Taylor Swift or Paul McCartney, anything they release is going to be a big event, mm-hmm. no matter when it happens, whether it's during a pandemic or not. So if the question is, do Canadian artists have that sort of machinery behind them? Uh, no, but that's not any different than it was prior to the pandemic. But I think the creative side of the question is, is sort of a, a, a totally different question. And just going down the line to sort of Calgary musicians that I write about, it was a fantastic year for music. Not all of these records were recorded during the pandemic, but in terms of the creativity that came from this period, I think it's incredible. But in terms of the economics of it, there's not very many Canadian artists that are at that level. I don't know. Maybe if Tegan and Sarah had suddenly found the creativity to put out a bunch of songs about the pandemic, maybe the record company would have put it out. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, it's sort of two different things. I think the creativity, there was some amazing music put out this year from Canadian artists, uh, particularly locally here. What kind of artists are we talking about? Like I know Chad Van Galen had something out recently. I don't know if he's still based in Alberta, but I know he's an Alberta raised artist. Yeah. It's sort of hard to sort of measure these things because for him, I think that most of that was recorded long before the pandemic. So it became a question of, you know, is it the right time to release? And and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of artists just decided that, well, sure, why not? We're going to put it out. But 
you know, some of the really interesting music came out as if it was almost like a response to what was going on. One of my favorite records this year was a Calgary couple, and they called themselves Self-Cut Bangs. They were from two different bands, and they just used the time to record this incredible record in their apartment, basically, mm-hmm. in the mornings. You know, just to, And you can do that because the technology is there now. You don't have to go to a big studio necessarily. You don't even have to leave your house. You can put out some pretty incredible records, as Chad Van Galen does, just by sort of tinkering around in your home studio. When it comes to the content that we're seeing artists produce or release through this pandemic, is there any kind of thematic trend at play? Are we seeing songs that are reflective of the times, talking about isolation or, you know, the pandemic in general or society kind of either coming together or falling apart? Like, are we getting any kind of messaging from artists that kind of follows a through line like that? I think so. Um, you know, I think the immediate sort of response to it is can be pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah. There's this great song by a duo here called Misha and the Spanks. And Misha sort of wrote this song very specifically about what it's like to spend so much time with your husband when you're both in lockdown. And, and, and it's kind of a bittersweet kind of funny song, but it was very on the nose. And I think you would get a lot of stuff like that. What's interesting is a lot of the musicians I spoke to, they would talk about a song that they wrote way before the pandemic started, but, you know, it would sort of resonate with what was going on. And I think that just has to do with the fact that a lot of songs are about isolation and about connection and all that sort of stuff. And and that just gets amplified due to the realities of what was going on. But I think the really interesting question is going to be, you know, in the years to come, what impact is it going to have? And that's sort of because you're still in the middle of it, sort of you're just going to have to speculate on that. But I think it's going to be really interesting about how these ideas of isolation and and community and even things like people who believe in science and people that don't and how that's going to sort of come out, you know, so almost subconsciously and and artists going down the road. I spoke to uh, the publisher of McClellan and Stewart, Jared Bland, about that. And he was talking about the fact that obviously there's going to be lots and lots of nonfiction published about this time period, right? About science, about the, the response that the government's, how good or not good the response was. But what's really interesting is is just going to be the fiction side. How are artists and storytellers, how are they going to respond to this? How is it going to sort of seep underneath it all? You know, under how are, how are the themes going to manifest themselves? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to look at. I don't, I'm not sure we've seen much of it yet, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, I don't know if people have had time. We're still in the middle of it. So I'm not sure that they've really processed it yet. Artists, creative types, try to think differently, try to adapt obviously also want to try and perform. And we've seen some interesting ways in which performers have pivoted to be able to kind of practice their craft. We've had theater companies do virtual performances. There was a festival here in Edmonton that was doing like shop window performances down a very busy kind of commercial street where they had musicians in shop windows and whatnot. And obviously there were also a ton of, you know, driveway and backyard performances last year. I think of Martin Kerr, singer songwriter from these parts, did hundreds of shows in people's driveways and, and backyards last year. How important do you feel that being able to try and practice your craft is to these artists? And how much of a gap is there between that and what they normally would like to be doing in terms of making money, getting bums in seats, things like that? There's a couple of things that play in terms of if you're talking specifically about the virtual stuff, like I'm not talking about the driveway concerts or, mm-hmm. um, but, but the virtual stuff, I think that started almost immediately. I think as a result, there's a bit of a fatigue about it uh, in terms of people wanting to watch it. And of course, economically, the other question is how much can you, you know, either you're going to do it for free 
if you do charge something, how much realistically can you charge for a person to watch something like that? Presumably, it's going to be a lot less than what you can charge someone paying a cover charge at a club or, or, or for a ticket into a theater show. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. And I think with bands as well, what people don't understand sometimes is that is how a lot of them, especially nowadays, make their money through tours because people are not buying records the same way they used to anyway. I've spoken to bands that say, yeah, we would go on the road. And that's part of the income as well was the merchandise sales that you just don't get. People tend to be more motivated to buy your CD, for instance, or whatever, after they saw you play live. They lose those sales as well. Like with many sectors across the country and for many Canadians, governments have stepped in to help out. There is obviously like emergency wage subsidies, the emergency response benefit, but what have various governments done specifically targeting the arts sector? And do arts organizations feel that that's been enough to kind of help them through the worst of it? The difficulty is that it is such a broad sector. I think there was this idea that certain areas of the art sector maybe were falling through the cracks, no matter how well-intentioned some of the supports may have been. You know, I remember speaking to a lot of artists at the beginning, and a lot of them did express gratitude that Canada is a country, generally, that supports its artists more significantly than, say, south of the border, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sort of speak for the entire sector because because it's just so different and their needs are so different. Uh, for, for profit live venue has very different needs than an independent musician, right? Like, so when you talk about reopening the arts sector, there's just so many different needs. Whereas, you know, if you're a musician here in Calgary, you just want to play, you just want to go back to, you know, hosting a jam, which, you know, that may have made you a bit of money on the side. So to do that, you're lobbying the government to lift restrictions. But then on the other side, there's the for profit live venues, where lifting restrictions really you know, some of these clubs and stuff that are of a certain size, that's not really not going to do anything for them. They make their money from touring acts. And until the borders are open, they are going to need some sort of stable funding in order to survive. You know, they, they just have totally different needs. Mm-hmm. In the April budget, the federal budget, we did see a lot of money. There was a $300 million recovery fund for heritage arts, culture, and sports sector. You know, $200 million to support major festivals. I think another 200 million for community cultural events and local museums and local festivals, uh, 70 million over three years to help musicians and concert venues. There is a sense that there was some supports out there and obviously each province would be different as well. And municipalities had different things, but I think maybe the big problem was that uh, it was very difficult to sort of be able to address everybody and all those needs with just one grant or, or two grants. It's, it's really required a lot of these groups to sort of rethink how they operate. With so many varied sectors, is it difficult to get a sense of like how big a contribution the arts make to the Canadian economy and why there's a necessity for such varied or big government support? Yeah, I, I think you can talk a lot about the sort of social impact of the arts and the economic impact gets overlooked. I don't have all the stats. I know uh, one of the stats I heard, and this was strictly for nonprofit arts organizations, and it, I think it was something like um, four billion contribution to the GDP or something like that. And that, and again, that's that's just nonprofit. So that's include film and publishing and all the sort of for-profit areas. So I think that's overlooked. I don't think people think about arts as something that contributes economically, uh, which it clearly does. And then, of course, the other side is is what is it 
contributing socially and, and, and all these other sides. But yeah, I, I think it's often overlooked that, that there is a, a huge impact of these arts organizations and, and a lot of, you know, what you call the, you know, the trickle down, the economic driver aspect of it, where say a festival, for instance, just how much spinoff there is economically in, in terms of hotels and in terms of restaurants and, and these other things that, and I, I think a lot of that is overlooked. People just sort of see artists as this, something that people do as a hobby or something. Now, in other parts of the world, we're seeing concerts come back. I know there was a, something like 50,000 people at a concert in Australia, you know, the UK, they were having government sanctioned raves and concerts. And I was jealously looking at U.S. music festival lineups that were being released in the last couple of weeks. We're still in a waiting game in Canada. Do we get a sense of what sector may be best equipped to rebound? Is it the music industry, you know, with having these kind of physical spaces that once we reopen, we can just put, you know, a touring act together, Canadian act, tour the country, show up in these venues. Do we get a sense that theater companies are ready to go once they rebound? Or is it something else that may not have been mentioned so far this show? One of the things that I think a lot of people in all sorts of arts organizations are fretting over right now is what sort of attitude is there going to be out there in terms of people wanting to go somewhere to see something? Are they going to feel safe? Are they going to want to do this? I would like to think that this has been going on for so long that there's a huge pent up desire for this stuff to experience art the way it's supposed to be, whether it be in museums or art galleries or or on a concert stage, that it's part of the community and that you do this in a communal way that we haven't been able to do in the last 14 months. So I'd like to think that there is a huge pent up demand for that. And that when things do open up, I like to think that live music, for instance, I don't think people are ever going to take live music for granted again after this. Mm-hmm. But in terms of recovery, there's lots of other factors involved in terms of when is the border going to reopen? You know, if you have a festival that 60, 70% of the artists are from other countries or from the US, you know, how long will it be until that can happen again? And how long can these festivals last if, if, if we're still talking about another year? at least, you know, so uh, I hope that, uh, that there is enough pent up demand that once these things open, that I think they, they will be able to rebound because I think there will be that desire for people to have that experience that they haven't been able to have for the last 14 months. From my personal perspective, I, I can't wait for a chance to get out to a music festival or a play and just to get out of the house. Eric, thanks for your time. You're quite welcome. Thanks. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Eric Volmers. More from him at calgaryherald.com. And be sure to check out all our post-pandemic coverage, postpandemic.nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.